Good morning. My name is Travis. I'm the campus pastor of New Life Church in Wilsonville. Would you read Psalm 66 with me? To the choir master, a song, a psalm. Shout for joy to God all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Give to him glorious praise. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies come cringing to you. All the earth worships you and sings praises to you. They sing praises to your name, Selah. Come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds toward the children of man. He turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the river on foot. There did we rejoice in him who rules by his might forever whose eyes keep watch on the nations. Let not the rebellious exalt themselves. Selah. Bless our God, O peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard, who has kept our soul among the living and has not let our feet slip. For you, O God, have tested us. You have tried us as silver is tried. You brought us into the net You laid a crushing burden on our backs. You let men ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water, yet you have brought us out to a place of abundance. I will come into your house with burnt offerings. I will perform my vows to you, that that which my lips uttered, and my mouth promised when I was in trouble. I will offer to you burnt offerings of fattened animals with the smoke of the sacrifice of rams, I will make an offering of bulls and goats, Selah. Come and hear, all you who fear God, and I will tell what he has done for my soul. I cried to him with my mouth, and high praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But truly, God has listened. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, because he has not rejected my prayer or removed his steadfast love from me. Let's pray. Our God in heaven, the God who is over all of the nations, Lord, we come this morning to praise you. And we ask that as we open your word together this morning, that you would speak to us through it that you would remind us in our minds and in our hearts that we and all the earth are yours, that we might respond to you appropriately, that we might rejoice and sing praises to your name. And we ask for this in the name of Jesus. Amen. As we look at Psalm 66, and we we begin with this command from the psalmist, an instruction that we are to shout for joy to God all the earth. This is an instruction for everyone. Everyone is to shout for joy to God. Everyone in all the earth is to do this because he is God. Shout for joy to God all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Give to him glorious praise. There's no ambiguity here at all. Everyone, everywhere, at all times, especially right now, is to be praising God. They are to be glorifying Him. Great is His name above all else. And everyone, 
everywhere is to be doing that. And I find that there are times, and maybe you're experiencing this right now, that you may not feel like that. And so to have somebody come to you and say, here's what you ought to do. You ought to shout for joy. You ought to praise God right now. You just want to sort of fold your arms and go, I don't feel like it. No, I, I, don't, I don't want to do that right now. I, I've had this kind of thing happen with my kids before. We're all say, it's time to eat. And they were very engaged in the game that they were playing. And, oh, I don't want to do that. Now, I know my kids, and I know that they want to eat. They just don't want to do that right now. But it's time. We're going to do it right now. And that, that's what the psalmist is, is saying. Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of His name. Give to Him glorious praise. We ought to be praising God. This, this is a, a strong command that we are to do this. We don't get to say, well, I don't really feel like it right now. And so it's my hope that as we go through Psalm 66, that whether or not you feel like it, by the time we get to the end of this psalm, you'll go, yeah, yeah, let's shout for joy. Let's shout for joy to the ends of the earth because God is so great. So let's see if we can get there together. Shout for joy to God all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Give to him glorious praise. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies come cringing to you. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. Why should we praise to God? Why should we shout for joy to God? It's because his deeds are so awesome. The things that he has, has done are so amazing that even those who don't really want to, even those who don't really feel like it, even those who would call themselves enemies of God, who don't believe in God or don't want God, whoever they are, they all, because of his great deeds, must acknowledge how great he is. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies come cringing to you. All the earth worships you and sings praises to you. They sing praises to your name. This idea of the enemies coming cringing to God, that, that, that they would come and, and see him and then go, I really didn't want to do this. I really don't feel like doing this. I really don't want to like God. I, I really don't want to acknowledge that he is God. I don't want to submit to him as God. And yet, I hear about the things that he's done, and I just have to bow down. I just have to bow down. His enemies are going to come cringing before him. So whether reluctantly or exuberantly, everybody, everywhere is going to come and they are going to come and they are going to bow down before God because He is the great God of the universe. He is the one who created all things, who created you in His image. 
and the one who reigns sovereignly over his creation now. And for that reason, everybody is going to come and everybody is going to acknowledge how great he is. And whether they like it or not, they will praise him. How do I know that this is true? It's because of the great things that he has done. Come and see what God has done, it says in verse 5. Come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds toward the children of man. He turned the sea into dry land and they passed through the river on foot. There did we rejoice in him who rules by his might forever, whose eyes keep watch over the nations. Let not the rebellious exalt themselves. Why do, do I know that everybody is going to rejoice in who God is, that everybody is going to sing praises to his name, it's because they've already done it. It's because this stuff has already happened before. He's already done these great things. And the psalmist is reminding people of the things that God has done. Do you remember who God is, he says? Do you remember who he is? Shout for joy to God all the earth. If you don't feel like it, let me remind you about the awesome things that God has done. Whether you like it or not, you will be praising God because of these things that he has done. Do you remember, do you remember people? How he took his people out of Egypt? How he brought them out of Egypt through the the, uh, Red Sea on dry ground? How Pharaoh's army tried to pursue him, pursue them, and got washed away in the flood of waters that just moments before the people of Israel had passed through? Do you remember how then when they got to the other side of the wilderness and they were going to enter into the land, that he again parted the waters, this time of the Jordan River, so that again his people could pass through on dry ground? Do you remember these great things? And do you remember further the response of the people who heard it? The people in in that land, God had said, this is the land that I'm going to give to you. This is the place where I will be your God and you will be my people. And everyone will hear, all nations will hear, and they will know that I am God. And so when the the, uh, people went into the land and they, they first were exploring it, A couple of them came to Rahab, and this is what she said in Joshua. In Joshua chapter 2, verse 10, she said, For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. And we have heard what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and to Og, whom you devoured to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, And there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Rahab said, this is what we've heard. We have heard about the great deeds of your God. We know that your God delivered you out of Egypt. We know that your God brought you through the Red Sea. We know that your God brought you across the Jordan River. And we know that your God has given you this land. And we are terrified because of that. 
We are terrified because we have heard about the great deeds of your God. This is the very thing that the psalmist is reminding us of. These are the great things that God has done. Let me remind you about the awesome deeds of God so that you might rejoice in Him. Here's what I find. That all too often, I'm distracted by the chaos. I'm distracted by the things that scare me or intimidate me. And just as those initial spies had gone into the land of Israel, the land that God had promised them, and they saw great things there, but they came back and they said, we are afraid of the nations and we are afraid of the people because look at how big they are, look at how strong they are, look at how well-equipped they are, look at how fortified their cities they are. And as I look around the world, and I see the turmoil, and I see the way that people are engaging with one another. I'm on this team, you're on that team. What I see is a lot of people putting their hopes in things that are other than God. They are hoping that some sort of economic formula will solve the problem. They are hoping that some sort of political victory will solve the problem. They are hoping that some sort of social reform will solve the problem. They are hoping that if they just think hard enough, work hard enough, do enough, it will solve the problem. They are hoping that if we could just educate people to know what I know, that will solve the problem. It's not going to solve the problem. All of those false hopes, all of those lesser gods, would lead us to believe that this is the answer when in fact our only hope is in God. That is why we ought to shout for praise to the name of our God, the one who delivers us, the one who carries His people across the water. Bless our God, O peoples, it says in verse 8. Bless our God, O peoples. Let the sound of His praise be heard. Who has kept our, he has kept our soul among the living and has not let our feet slip. It, he's transitioning now. Right At first, he starts off with this big group that all the nations in all the earth are going to be praising God whether they like it or not. And here's how we know it's because of the history, because of the stories that God has, what he has done. We know because of his great and awesome deeds that all of these people will bow down to him. 
But now, directly to God's people, the psalmist says, now, these stories are not only intimidating to God's enemies, but they apply directly to you because this was for your deliverance. This was for your provision that God did these things. So now bless our God, O peoples. Let the sound of His praise be heard, who has kept our soul among the living and has not let our feet slip. He's the one who who carries us through and strengthens us so that we are sure-footed and we do not slip and fall. And you might find yourself right now in a place where your feet feel unsteady. They may feel unsteady because of racial tensions. They may feel unsteady because of political animosity. They may feel unsteady because of things that are happening in your job or at work. Because of requirements that are being put on you. Because of a lack of income. Because of a lack of business. They may feel unsteady because of the relationships that you have with other people right now. You feel distant from them and all of those things feel tenuous. They may feel unsteady even because of struggles within the church. But bless God, O peoples, and let the sound of His praise be heard. The one who has kept our soul among the living and has not let our feet slip. For you, O God, have tested us. You have tried us as silver is tried. You brought us into the net. You laid a crushing burden on our backs. You let men ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water. All of this imagery about this oppression, this struggle, this difficulty. And so when we find ourselves in a place where we say, shout for joy, everyone, praise God. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. And you're going, yes, but I'm not feeling the flowing blessings right now. I'm feeling like I'm falling under the waters. I'm feeling like people are trampling over my head. I'm feeling the struggle right now. And the psalmist acknowledges that feeling, that struggle, that point of conflict within us, knowing that God is great and knowing of the awesome deeds that he has done and at the same time experiencing this turmoil, whether inner turmoil or external turmoil, that conflict that's happening in and around us. And he says, for you, O God, have tested us and you have tried us as silver is tried. The times when it is most difficult for me to praise God and to acknowledge him are those times when I'm feeling that tension. That place of anxiety, frustration, uncertainty, anger. Those are the times when it's hardest for me to praise God. And and I just think, why would I praise him now? While I'm feeling this way, while I'm struggling with these things. 
And he says, it's, it's because these things come to test, to refine, to cleanse. You, you've tried us in the way that silver is tried. You have brought us through the fire and through the water. These images of cleansing, cleaning, making pure. It's a, it's a purifying thing. Why does God allow these things to seemingly crush us? It is to make us purer before Him. And He takes it a step further yet. In verse 12, it says, You let men ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water. Yet, you have brought us out to a place of abundance. Yet, you have brought us out to a place of abundance. And some of you right now are feeling like, yeah. Yeah. I did go through all of that pain. I did go through all of those struggles. And now God has brought me out to this place of abundance. And, and some of you, maybe even many of you right now, are feeling like I'm not in a place of abundance right now. I'm in a place of pain and struggle. And the psalmist is reminding us of the great things that God has done historically. Look at the things that God has done historically for his people. Look at the ways that he has carried them through and blessed them abundantly. This is what's happening for you. You are enduring the pain. You are enduring the struggle so that you might praise him so that you might become purified, so that you might uh, rejoice when he brings us out of that and into the place of abundance. And then, at this point, the psalm gets personal. Because we had gone from the whole nations, all of people on all the earth will shout for joy for who God is and the great things that he has done. And then we narrowed that down and said, now God's people, you ought to be doing this as his people, remembering the things that God has done and how he's carrying us through these places of turmoil into a place of abundance. And now he talks about he himself, the psalmist himself. He says in verse 13, I will come into your house with burnt offerings. I will perform my vows to you, that which my lips uttered and my mouth promised when I was in trouble. I will offer to you burnt offerings of fattened animals with the smoke of the sacrifice of rams. I will make an offering of bulls and goats. Selah. We just... Pause for a moment. He says, God, I, I remember. I remember that you have carried me through and though, though you have refined me, though you have tested me, though you have tried me as silver is tried, yet I have come out on the other side to this place of abundance and so I am coming to your house and I am coming with sacrifices of praise. I am coming to acknowledge that you are the sovereign God, 
that you are Lord not over all, not only over all the earth, but also Lord over me. And so I am acknowledging you, God. I am acknowledging you. Come and hear, all you who fear God, and I will tell what he has done for my soul. Isn't that great? Come and hear. Now, as I read that, some of you may pick up on the, hey, I've just heard something similar to this before. Because just a few verses ago, in verse 5, it said, come and see what God has done. You see, every time the psalmist gives us a command of something that we ought to do, that we ought to praise God, or in this case, uh, that he is going to offer his sacrifices to God, then he gives a reason for that. Because remember what God has done? Come and see what he has done. And here now, he says, now come and hear all you who fear God, and I will tell you what he has done for my soul. It's become personal So that we as God's people need to be continually listening to the things that God has done. That we ought to be hearing the things that God has done for his people, for our friends, for our church, and for us. And we ought to be recounting those same things. That we ought to be telling people the story. This is what God has done for me. This is how I was in the struggle and God has carried me through to a place of abundance. I had a conversation with somebody just this, this week. They called me up on the phone and they said, I'm really struggling. I had some extra bills come up, extra expenses that I, I wasn't expecting. It was more than I was expecting. And this person is a contract worker. They, they do uh, contract work. And so um, they said, I just don't have any jobs right now to be able to pay the bills that I expect to have in the next two weeks. And so we talked a little bit about what their different options were, what they might do, how they might navigate that. And then I prayed for them. And about an hour later, they called me up and they said, did you talk to that mutual friend of ours and tell them to hire me for a job? I said, no, I didn't have anything to do with that. I haven't talked with them in a couple of weeks. And he said, they just called me. And they said, I want you to do this job. He said, if I, if I had waited an hour before calling you, I wouldn't have to call you because God has already answered my need. And I just said, that's because God loves you. Isn't God amazing? He knows our need. That friend of mine could have been called an hour earlier and I would never know the story. But in that place of anxiety and struggle, they called me, we talked about it, and then together we watched God's provision. And I had nothing to do with it except to observe it, to praise God for it, to bless his name with my friend and now to relay that story to you so that you could hear it and be encouraged by it as well. Look what God has done. Look how God provides for my needs. Look how even when it was really hard, God carried me through and kept my feet from slipping and falling. 
Come and hear all you who fear God, and I will tell you what he has done for my soul. I cried to him with my mouth, and high praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. This was the story of my friend. We cried out, and the Lord listened. Now notice this this here in verse 18. This condition. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. He said, if I had loved the sin that's in my heart, the Lord would not have listened to me. The Lord would not have answered my prayer. The Lord would not have responded to me if I was hanging on to the sin that's in my heart. Why does God listen to us? How can we be confident that He will listen to us? It is because despite the sin that is in our heart, we have a priest, a mediator, an intercessor, one who removes our sin and intercedes on our behalf with God so that God will listen to our prayers. In Hebrews chapter 7, verse 22, it says this, This makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He has no need, like those other high priests, to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. This is the hope that we have. Though we have the sin within our own hearts, that sin that would uh, cause God to not listen to our prayers, yet when we come to God through Jesus, we have an intercessor. We have a priest. One who died on our behalf. Who offered a sacrifice a single time to pay the debt for our sins so that God would listen to our prayers. And he did it perfectly. One sacrifice, one time, for all people who would come to God through him. That is the hope that we have in the gospel. 
That is the hope that I have when I come to God with my needs, when I come to God with my anxieties, my struggles, my frustrations, my angers. When I come to God, I believe that He hears me because of what He has done for me in Jesus. Jesus, the Son of God, the perfect, sinless, eternal One, died on my behalf so that my sin would be forgiven. And now acts as intercessor for me so that when I am praying, He is interceding on my behalf to my Heavenly Father. So that whatever sin might be in my heart, I can repent of that and know that I am forgiven and God will nonetheless hear my prayer. This is the reason that we at New Life Church hold one of our core values to be that we need the gospel. We need the good news that Jesus died for our sins and has reconciled us with God. We need that. We have to live that. So that when there are anxieties and when there are tensions and when there are pressures and when there are divisions and when there is so much chaos all around us, my response is not to hope in lesser gods or false hopes, but instead to go right here to the gospel. Can I make a confession to you? One of my false hopes is education. I often believe that if I could just get people to see things my way, that would fix the problem. If I could just educate them so that they would have the understanding of history that I have, that that would fix the problem. That if I could just explain to people the things that they have wrong about the science or the things that they have wrong about the sociology or the things that they have wrong about the politics or the things that they have wrong about relationships or forgiveness or whatever, that if I could just explain to them and educate them, then that would solve the problem. That's not going to solve the problem. Education is a weak God. It's a weak hope. My powers of persuasion are weak. Politics is weak. Economics is weak. Social justice is weak. But oh, our God is strong. Look at the great things that God has done. And so when I feel like going toe-to-toe with somebody and squaring up and engaging in the shouting matches, what I instead ought to be doing is repenting of my sin and shouting for joy because of who God is. And then inviting people to come 
and hear what God has done for me. And come and see what God has done through all of history. And come and know that Jesus died for your sins too. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Verse 19, but truly God has listened. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. First John 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When I'm feeling anxious, when I'm not feeling like praising God, the place that I have to start is with confession and repentance. And then our faithful God through the work of Jesus, his death and resurrection removes the sin and listens to our prayers. And there is no more powerful thing than that, than our God who listens to our prayers. Truly, God has listened. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. We have an opportunity even this week as New Life Church to pray. On Wednesday, it's the first Wednesday of the month. And on the first Wednesday of the month, we take a day as a church to fast and pray. And so I would encourage you this Wednesday, would you begin with repentance and confessing your sin? I know that there are many things that are troubling you. I know that there are many things going wrong in our communities and in our nation and in the world. And that your temptation is going to be to rush into prayer advocating for those things. But I want to, I want to insist that you begin here. To confess and to repent the sin that is in your own heart. I'm so quick to see where others are wrong. I'm so quick to acknowledge and to identify sin in other people. But I have to start here. And when I start here, then my prayers can be answered. Then I can say, look what God has done for me. When I believe the gospel, it changes my behavior from frustration and anger to joy and peace. And when we, as believers, do that together, as the community of God's people, all of us, repenting of our sin and then rejoicing and proclaiming the great things that God has done, then the whole church rejoices together. And when the whole church believes the gospel and responds to God accordingly and proclaims and says, come and see what God has done, then all the ends of the earth 
will see and hear and will respond. And that is the hope that we have. Because they will see and they will hear and they will respond. Whether they want to or not, they will. Romans chapter 14. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then, each of us will give an account of himself to God. If we begin here in our own hearts, God will listen to our prayer and he will do the things that need to be done in all the earth. Do not be afraid of those things. Do not be anxious about those things. Do not be frustrated or angry. But believe that God will carry us through to that place of abundance. The psalmist finishes with verse 20. Blessed be God, because he has not rejected my prayer or removed his steadfast love from me. Blessed be God, because he has not rejected my prayer or removed his steadfast love from me. Your God, when you come to him through Jesus, has forgiven your sins. And when he has forgiven your sins, he will not remove his love from you. And this is why we praise him. So this is my command to you this morning. That you repent of your sin. That you pray to God. And that you proclaim his name, giving his praise to anyone who will listen. That's my instruction to you this morning, because that is the instruction, the command that the psalmist gives to us this morning. And anybody who doesn't like it can take it up with God. Let's praise him together. Our great and glorious God, how awesome are your deeds. Your name is proclaimed in all the earth because of the great things that you have done. And so, Father, we ask, would you forgive us of our sins? Lord, we know that there are times that we have put our hope in things other than you. 
We know that we have desired things more than we have desired you. We have found comfort in things more than we have found comfort in you. And so, Father, would you forgive us of these sins? Would you forgive us of the sins in the ways that we have treated other people? In the way we have not seen them as valuable image bearers of you. Father, would you help us to repent of our sin, to identify and acknowledge it, knowing that when we confess it, you are faithful to forgive us. And then, Father, we ask that having confessed our sins to you and being forgiven of them, that as we ask for you to act within our church and within our communities and within our country and within our world, that you would hear our prayers and respond in a powerful way so that to the ends of the earth they would know that you are God. And they would come and Lord, it is our desire that they would delight to come and worship you. We ask for this in the great name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen.